0: Hey there, this is Taz, and welcome to the Petropolis Podcast. This episode is part two of my interview with Jim Golovsky, co-founder, CEO, and president of Guardian Pet Food. Jim has deep roots within the pet industry, so if you have not listened to part one, episode 19, I highly recommend that you do so. You know, I sometimes think that I started this podcast to um, get a little therapy, business therapy, because uh, the pet industry as a whole seems to be so resistant to change. Um, sometimes it lacks innovation. It doesn't want to move and become better than what it actually is it certainly claims that it's great and when i say industry i'm really talking about pet food so i gotta separate one from the other the whole industry versus pet food but yeah pet food isn't really that great with all the claims these companies make and retailers the independents and allow that to happen and we need to be the change we need to be the ones that stand up for the welfare of all animals and we just suck at that I don't know if it's just because we're worried about revenue or we're worried about how we're going to be judged or we feel alone in the process Some people kind of half ass do it, others go for it, but then they pull back. It's such an odd industry. And, you know, Jim really makes a lot of outstanding points. And I am grateful that I had an opportunity to speak with him and learn from him. And I hope you enjoyed the second part of this series. Um, He is absolutely awesome. If you have any questions, Please don't forget to reach out to me and do subscribe. I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to this podcast. Enjoy this episode. Thanks. What are the dangers for the consumer? I don't know if that's the right right word, but what are the risks that we're taking by choosing to purchase our goods from Chewy's versus the independents. Where does it break? Yeah,
1: I, I think um, there's <laughs> there's a lot of dangers for everybody on it. So uh, from an independent retailer, I think it's dangerous to try to compete on price. Um, you know, you it's, it's easy to sell it for the same price. It's not easy to keep the same cost structure as them. And even if you could, you know they're losing money every day. So you, if you win that customer, you've lost the financial battle. Um, you know it doesn't doesn't make any sense. Um, so by by trying to chase Chewy with price, you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, by offering curbside pickup, I understand the COVID and and sometimes that's a requirement. But if your store is open, um, you you have to try to get expandable consumption. Mm-hmm. That's what Chewy's going after, whether it's throwing in treats or supplies or prescription medications or things like that. You have to expand that market basket. If all you're doing is saying, hey, come to my store. I'll meet you outside. I'll give you the same $67 price that Chewy charges. Thank you. How long do you think it's going to take for that consumer to go, why am I even getting in my car and going there? If I'm paying the same dollar, I'll just have them deliver it. So, So they do that. And, and they lose out on the opportunity to, to talk to you as the owner or your employees who you've selected to work with them. I mean, there, there's an independent here that it's great. Jillian and Shelby, they, you know, they know every single pet that comes in. They know the owners. They, you know, they talk to them. That's fantastic. Like, people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the reasons why people go to veterinary practices that are like that three to five veterinarian range is because they get to know them. Right, and, and they have that, like people, people do long to have conversations. Um, it's not just about watching a video on what ingredients are in the pet food. It's not, it's, it goes back to the, geez, my dog had diarrhea, or my dog has been sniffing around doing this, that, or the other thing. What do you guys know about that? Or what do you think? So if, if independent retailers try to fight on price, they're going to lose. Um, the big part, like I said earlier, is looking for the weakness looking for that exposed nerve on Chewy and then exploiting it at the independent retailers. So in the article, I made the comment of if if I think my future as an independent retailer is all about Blue Buffalo or uh, Purina, I'm sadly mistaken because mm-hmm. while those are great products, they are more commoditized than anything. Right. So my my better opportunity would be to say hey, let's look at somebody else, Guardian or Farmina, or somebody that's not available in different locations so that I'm not faced with price pressure and mm-hmm. margin pressure, something that requires education. I mean, it's, it's very important. Like the, the whole reason behind pet specialty, the reason it's called specialty is there were specialty diets. There were specialty foods that went beyond what normal stuff did. Mm-hmm and and to show that value to a consumer you have to educate them to educate them you have to be educated and for you to be educated you have to push back to the manufacturer for transparency and education and real knowledge um if if you're not getting that that's the definition of a commodity you know so it's it's um it's hugely problematic for a consumer uh i understand wanting to get a deal you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll drive the extra mile if I can get my monster for ninety nine instead of two forty nine. <laughs> but, but the point, the point is, is when I do that, if, if the place I'm getting that at is, you know, like massive halls and no one there, and I gotta find it myself and bring all this, there, there's a trade-off in the time and energy and all those other things. There's also a trade-off on that relationship that gets built. You know, like I, I know when I go to my local 7-Eleven, they know me and they start preparing the bag where I'm putting all the drinks. In. But they'll also sit there and say, hey, Jim, do you know that Rain is actually owned by Monster and they've got a great new formula? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's fantastic. Where the other person was just like, are you only getting one or two? <laughs> you know, so that, that's, that's the thing. So yeah. as a consumer, if you're only measuring people by price, that's all you're going to get. There, there's a saying that people respect what you inspect. Mm-hmm. So if all I inspect is your price, that's all I'm going to care about. And that's all I'm going to get.
0: But yeah, consumers are so fickle. They they have moments of need that they'll come to you and tell you you're amazing. And then tomorrow they'll go on Chewy and place for, for the order for, yeah. I mean, I had literally somebody who, whose cat was, dying and she was on foods that she couldn't digest and weren't digestible for a cat and changed the diet comes back two weeks later said oh my god my it's, you gave my cat second life and then picks up a um, nature's miracle bottle she's like this is 30 cents cheaper on Chewy, 30 cents and I said well then buy it from Chewy don't come back here it, there's a cost to care and nurturing and I've been here for a long time and you've only come in when you have a problem yeah. and you're comparing 30 cents It's so said they're buying it at probably five dollars less than I am and if I don't give you any value I don't want you as a customer so and those are the customers we're getting more and more of when you look when you you said 48 percent of when you said the subscription business is what carries them and 40 it's the the number's gone up to 48% for chewy, 48% of the is subscription. That's 48% lost for the independent retailer every day. Not
1: not the person who's occasionally going there. Those are the people that every month are getting their food from there.
0: That's a complete dead end loss for us as independents.
1: It it is. But so here's the the thing that I argue with on, on independent retailers is um, you have, so much more value and so much more power than you acknowledge. Like, yes, there's 12,000, 13,000 independents and it's not like it's one entity. But collectively, your, your power and your value is not in the price that you offer to sell something. Right. Your value is your history. You see hundreds of customers a week. Knowing pet owners, you hear thousands of stories a week on mm-hmm. pets so you have this database you have this knowledge you have this personal relationship with them the the people that are coming in and you know will ask something and then disappear for the 30 cents or the two dollars mm-hmm. those aren't the customers no you no know, because th- those are the ones that are transactional at best and that's up to you if you want to you know cut them a discount but cutting a transactional customer a $3 discount when they buy it versus marking down your product $3 every day is different. It's, it's not price gouging, but what you have to find value in is your knowledge and your experience and your expertise. So again, if you're just selling on price, it's a losing proposition. Uh, There's a guy that was a very big uh, econ guy in the pet industry, and it was, it was the most wonderful thing I had ever heard. It stuck with me now 20 years was like, pricing is determined by the stupidest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the guy that said you can't buy for a dollar and sell for 99 cents and make it up on volume. His name was Al Bates. He was a great guy. Like those things have stuck with me for two decades now. Um, and it's, it's true. I mean, you, by, by choosing to sell a product for $67 versus $72 is not being greedy. It's not price gouging it's knowing your value so like yeah you can go and you could order online and it could come to you and that's convenience but again if you're about convenience and price have at it they'll, they'll be more than happy to service you but if you want to know about new products you want to know about nutrition you want to know about anything else that comes into it you'll come here and and it's okay to spend that extra dollar two dollars three dollars whatever and and it's an appreciation not that they're paying three dollars more or thirty cents more for nature's miracle. Mm-hmm. It's the appreciation that what you have here, this location, a spot for me to come talk and for other people to collectively gather and discuss these things is of value to me. Mm-hmm. But if all we focus in on price, then all that stuff disappears. Yeah. Which is why the the need to find brands that are exclusive to independent is critical. You know it, Look, manufacturers are going to be whores for the money. Uh, there's you're no right. doubt about it. You're right. If, if someone comes up to and says, I'm going to, like, it was, first it was PetSmart mm-hmm. and Petco, I can give you distribution into 1,400 stores tomorrow. Okay, that's great. I'll take it. But I need 12 margin points additional from what mm-hmm. you are offering. Oh, okay. Well, and then you do the math, and of course yeah. it works. But if it doesn't work for PetSmart, you're out within a year. Yeah. And then you can never get back. Or if you do, you have to come up with some knockoff, you know, baby blue uh, or, or something like that. Um, so, you know, those are those are the issues that, that independent is faced with. And for a consumer, um, if, if you go to a place that's all about volume, they might think or you might think they have customer service. But you don't. I mean, that's that's a shtick to get more sales, more volume, more stuff pushed through. And and it's one of those bits where like, I don't know, it, it, they're selling millions and millions of bags. And, and at the end of the day, that's what they care about and the right. data they collect. Mm-hmm. They don't know, like they, they can't possibly know four million consumers and their 6.7 million pets or whatever the, the number is. They can't possibly know that. They don't know different aspects that you do. So from a consumer standpoint, if you don't support the people that are there for you, they won't be.
0: They won't be. <laughs> as far as the independents go, what do we need to know to really come out and be on top and get the consumers in? Or is it really up to the independent? Is it, is it up to the pet industry as a whole to change the way things work? Because I think the independents, on their own, feel like they're working alone all the time. And yeah. the pet industry as a whole, but you know, when you say the the um, the distributors had a huge hand in getting Chewy, the customer base they have now. And then I look at programs like Endless Isle. What data is Endless Isle collecting? And they're going right to Um, yeah, they're going right to my customers. They're taking the information from the independent retailer and going right to my customers. Where does that go later on? Do I trust my distributors when they already screwed me when it came down to Who do independent retailers trust? And I know it's a big mouthful, but do we really, are we going to change the way the consumer looks at pet and independent and their value? it does it only happen when the animal gets sick or they're in need or do they think dr google is going to come around all right i just asked you 40 questions jim that's all right
1: i'm I'm going to answer the one i want
0: you're going to answer them all but it's going to be in different layers so go ahead so here's
1: um when for an independent retailer um i think the the best thing to do is to go back in time not to try to repeat that but to understand what was the origin of it. The the origin of pet specialty in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, um was because there was nutritional need. People no longer wanted to feed corn first and things like that. So supermarket like,
0: brands. The supermarket brands. Yeah, yeah. They
1: didn't want to sell them. So Iams, Neutro, Yukonuba, all those guys, Hills, they all came out and were like, I don't want to sell there because of their margin structure. I don't wanna do that because of the education. So again, that's that was the genesis of pet specialty. So if you stop there, because just like everything else, things start to diverge and go off on their own little atmosphere, their own rotations and stuff. But if you sit there and say, the, the industry was created because of a need for people to be educated on what's best nutritionally for their pets. Just stop there, if, if that's your basic point, then you have to get to that. You have to get back to that. While there's a lot of the 13,000 that do that, there's a lot of independents that aren't there for that. They're, you know, they're, We used to do studies that would say, who do you trust most to give you information on pet nutrition? Like general consumer questions? Mm-hmm. The stock person at an independent or at a PetSmart, but basically within the specialty realm, had just as much if not more weight given to them as a veterinarian and almost double that of a manufacturer because the manufacturer of course is going to tell you their product is the best thing since sliced bread of course and a veterinarian there's like oh god they're getting paid well (laughs) i get paid if you sell my stuff in the store and you get paid if people buy it Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the logic the logic was they must know because they're working in a pet specialty environment so a couple of things. One, going back to manufacturers, independent retailers have to demand education on the product. The, it, it's a world of round brown kibble. 92% of all food fed is round brown kibble. Mm-hmm. What's different? What, why, why would I want to feed yours? Why would I want to recommend yours? I, I posted something the other day was uh, the 10 questions that I would say, ask when you're looking for the right pet food for yourself. Okay,
0: we're going to put that yeah. up.
1: Yeah, but it's it's one of those things that, um, you know, uh, I'll I'll use an example. One of my favorite brands to pick on lately. Um, they were taken to court because they used the term in all their commercials and on their packaging biologically appropriate.
0: Oh yes, I know the brand.
1: I'm sure you know the brand. I'm sure everyone does on that one. But they were taken to court, and in court, their attorney on the record quoted, and you could find it, said. We can't be held responsible for that because the term biologically appropriate is marketing puffery. Mm -hmm. So you have an entire group of retailers that we're talking about. We need biologically appropriate food.
0: But they buy into the puffery. That's that's what I'm
1: saying. So a manufacturer said that. Then you've got other times where manufacturers say things and it's not the right information or it's not 100% accurate and retailers run with it. Mm -hmm. The next perfect example is DCM. You would have been hard pressed to find a manufacturer, say anything other than a blanket statement of we're really concerned and we will stick to it and we'll help find the answer. When, When you're a retailer, you're dependent on the manufacturer. And if the manufacturer is giving you that information, not education, then they're probably the wrong manufacturer. And so you, you've got you to know what questions to ask. You got to go back, like um, at, at Guardian, we call it our true north. Mm-hmm. So for us, our true north is always, is it good for the pet? So the, every single question, anything that we're going to do has to go through that filter. And the answer better be yes. If it's not, we don't do it.
0: Well, look, blue buffalo is going to say yes. If I gave one of my cats blue buffalo, I know what's going to happen. He's going to have crystals up the kazoo. His urine pH is going to be nine, ten. But but then if you
1: have the opportunity to speak to Blue Buffalo or Hills or Purina or Royal Can, anyone like that, then you should sit there and say, how does this affect this? How does this happen? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? If they're not willing to answer you, again, they're the wrong ones. Right. my favorite, uh, I, we were doing a bunch of research on um, trying to get brands to be transparent and publish their digestibility and amino acid profiles. Oh. And my favorite answer, which is such a crock was, well, we can't share that with you. It's proprietary. It's like, no, it's not. Actually, if I had $2,000, I could get the test done myself. I just thought you'd want to share it. Uh, and then the other answer was, we don't believe in animal testing. That's cruel. It's like, wait, so you don't believe in feeding animals? Because that's all digestibility is, is you give them the food, you measure what they eat, you measure what they put out. And then you, you know, like there's no invasive, like there's no problem on it. And and what we found out was, while the general belief is that everyone is doing testing, the reality is very few are doing testing. And even fewer still will share that because it's not good, (laughs) the answers. Mm -hmm. Uh, for, For nine months now, I've been writing back and forth with a company asking for their digestibility and amino acid profiles. And the most recent answer I got from them today was, well, you have to understand we're a relatively new company and we don't have the resources to actually do all that testing. It was like, hmm, I'm thinking in the back of my head, there's two of us and it's not about money or resources or time. It's about doing the right thing. If it
0: costs $2,000, they can't invest $2,000 in in showing what the quality of their brand is? They
1: spend more than $2,000 on a single day of social media advertisement.
0: Well, then cut that marketing uh, budget back and put it back into your food.
1: If I say that, I'm just, a am just a jealous, I'm just a jealous competitor. Right, but that's where the retailer... consumer,
0: but that's where the consumer and the retailers come in. But consumers believe everything you put out there and this is where the retailers are kind of screwed up because they just want to make the money now and they don't consider the future of their business and the future of this industry as a whole. That's where the problem is with the indies. Yeah, there's very few of us who actually give a shit about the future of this industry. I love this industry, but we're diminishing it by allowing this commoditized way of running it and the shit out there in the market. So if we don't come together, we're going to diminish our ability to support ourselves, feed our kids. Mm. You know, it's our own fault.
1: And it it turns out to be, um, you know, an immediate... um, the the immediate urgent or the urgency of the emergency is there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, independence lost an unbelievable amount of money on the DCM issue. Right. When I talked about that huge shift of money, that came out of independence because everybody was told by their veterinarians and such that they needed to go back to Purina Hills, Royal Canaan, one of the big four, Wasava companies, all that mm-hmm. stuff. They failed to mention that Hills killed lots of animals with the vitamin D problem. Right. Um, They failed to mention all that stuff and and they just kind of went back to one one piece. All the business that left independence meant less foot traffic, less dollar, less revenue. Those brands that I mentioned were all available on Chewy and Amazon. The -hmm. difference was Amazon chose to focus on human products and health related products because of COVID. So Chewy flourished and they, Their current share of the total pet space market, they weren't projected to hit that until 2024.
0: Get the hell out of here. Yeah. So,
1: So you've got all that. So Independence lost all those sales during COVID. Then people start pushing back. Ryan, our co-founder, did Mm -hmm. lots of stuff. He spoke at VMX. He did all sorts of things like that. And, you know, started like there was was a little bit more momentum. People going, hey, you know, it's... Not specifically related to this, there's something going on, but it's not what they're saying and Just as people started to get their noses close to break even with the water
0: mm-hmm. covid right
1: and now you can't travel, you can't get out there's fear of that one, so more people went to chewy uh, and and started doing that and for both instances, what have manufacturers done? you know when we were trying to get distribution after uh, after global mm-hmm. and you know, once COVID hit, people came back, the distributors and a bunch of distributors said, it's going to be really difficult to launch a new brand. Yeah. And we we're like, but this is exactly when you need to, because we're not selling anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And this will draw people in or get them there. And there's all sorts of benefits to it. No, no. And it's like, do you even physically distribute Royal Canin Hills Purina? No. Okay. Well, all the AR issues that a distributor had, from DCM because if, if you think it, if it impacted a, a independent retailer $2,000 let's just throw that number out there they have 3,000 customers so if all of them hit $2,000 mm-hmm. that is a nightmare scenario for a distributor so now they got to find someplace oh, yeah. else to go yeah and they got to figure another brand but they don't want to take a chance on a brand and put time and energy behind it they're going to go back to somebody that they've already had that sold, and they're going to try to squeeze that. And then you get other brands who now, you know, are trying to differentiate themselves. I've got one brand name for PetSmart, I've got another brand name for Petco, I've got another one for Independence.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: You know, and, and that.
0: And different packaging for everybody. So the packaging companies really do well with that.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're <laughs> they're happy about it, but it it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. So, again. From from a retailer perspective, um, you you have to understand your value. You have to find companies, people, distributors, whatever it may be, that also believe in that as well. Um, like one of the questions that I would always ask a distributor is, "Help me understand why." Um, and, and not I don't want to sound like I'm completely bashing distributors. I can understand tears. Of course. You know, because if I sell, if if I have to put 50 units on a pallet for you versus five on for them Mm -hmm. and still get to your store, it's more expensive for me to go because it's spread across five instead of 50. I get that. But you have to look at it and say, how come this regional chain or this super regional chain is paying half the margin I am? You know, and... So, so now you're taking less margin to sell it to them for less so they can sell it for less, which is going to take more volume away from me. So it's like you, you just, I don't know, it's like the, those cartoons that show a person cutting a branch off a tree, except they're on the outside of the yeah, branch. Yeah. It's, it's like you're, you're going to end up hurting yourself on this one.
0: Well, you cut your nose to spot your face. Yeah
1: yeah so um, you know that, that the distributors have to do that. The distributors have to realize that um, and and probably the biggest comment that I made in that last article that you liked that that I've heard from a bunch is I, I said, um, you know, independents are the base of pet specialty. yeah, uh, and without them, no one else exists because you can't have a chewy, you can't have a pet smarter pet co showing why they've got lower prices and knowing which brands to pick and choose. And you can't have a distributor because they're making the majority of their money selling to you. Yep. So it's like, as an independent, if you just push back and say, I want this brand, I want these brands, Mm -hmm. I will no longer support those brands. You know, it, it changes. Distributors will carry brands. I mean, blue Buffalo is a perfect example. Blue Buffalo started a few years back with a couple of stores that they would put into food, drug, mass, Oh no, don't worry. It was only, it was only a handful of SKUs. We're not doing anything different. Then it went to the entire line. It went to national. It went to Walmart. I mean, it went, not Walmart, it went went to Target, Target. went everywhere. And and the reason was, is they got to go back to general mills and go look at the explosive growth. We're worth $8 billion and they got it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're sold everywhere, including seven of the top 10 items online, Mm-hmm. Why would you sell it at your retail store instead of them. using instead of using your knowledge, your expertise and all that to tell someone why they would want to switch the
0: diet? So I, I carry one brand that's very general um, and I carry to bring people in. I did rather. It's no longer uh, no longer there. I had to bring people in. I'm going I'm backwards in my time. It's about 10 years now, 10 years ago. And it was to bring people in, so you could get them to a different place. So when I first opened 15 years ago, that you had to carry some of the, you know, more popular brands. But we didn't have a, the Chewies and the Amazons. We didn't have the web, the way it is now. Web sales, the way it is now. Um, yeah, no, so, those,
1: the lost leaders. The you, lost you...
0: leaders, exactly. So you know, now um, those brands wouldn't sell. If I paid the consumer to buy them, they won't move. They're looking for something different when they come into my store. They want to know what else is out there. and yeah. But by, by us as independents, not having that offering options, we're losing.
1: Yeah, and Constantly and sometimes, doesn't. you know, most, most independent retailers will have a primary distributor that does about 70, 80% of their volume, and then a second one or maybe even a third one to do the balance on, on some... Particular items Um, but you know you've gotta you've got to be able to ask Mm -hmm. or not even ask you got to be able to demand the brands that you want to carry that'll allow you to be competitive Um, the the analogy that I always tell independents and distributors when I talk with them is manufacturers are like shark's teeth there's a million of them they're sharp they could hurt you they could do all sorts of stuff but what ends up happening is when they get big enough and old enough, they fall out. Mm-hmm. And then another one pops up in its place. So if you think about it, if I'm a distributor and, oh, I did $50 million of Blue Buffalo, that's great. Guess what? Blue Buffalo's is jumping channels. Okay, boom, it goes away. Now, I, I can't just completely cut them off because I've got to replace it with 15 million companies that do a million dollars each. But the next one behind might be a $10 million brand. So now as a distributor, I'm going to put all my energy and focus into that $10 million brand to try to grow them to the 50 that I just saw go away. Meanwhile, I'll still hold on to that brand and milk it for all it's worth as long as I can. Mm -hmm. Now, when that brand gets to 15 million, oh, they get sucked away to go to a national account. All right. So that's not as bad as going cross-channel, but, you know, and then there's another one and another one and another one. Right, right, right. So like somewhere in there, like Guardian, we're the one that just broke out of the gum line. We're like way (laughs) down. (laughs) <laughs> like just starting to come out, um, you know, and, and you, can't, you can't blame the manufacturers that are trying to find value and, and sell that. But at the same time, what's important is, is to think about that analogy, like that's, it's natural, that's going to happen. At some point, someone's going to make too sweet of an offer to too much money for too little that they're going to get in return for it. So as a, as a retailer, you can't wedge yourself to a specific brand you have to wedge yourself to a concept which is i'm here to provide nutritional excellence and education for the people that want it. If you don't want it, go ahead and buy it on chewy. You know, come here for the occasional stuff, that's great but whatever, that's fine. But if you if you wedge yourself to a process of nutritional excellence and education, it doesn't matter what brand. You'll pick the right brands that serve that purpose, that follow that north star and, and you'll run with it. And eventually most likely they'll switch out, they'll jump over, they'll get bought out, any number of things will happen. But you're still doing the same thing of nutritional excellence and knowledge and you're looking for those other brands that can support that. Because the brands that support it also support your mission and your philosophy. If if you do that as an independent, it's it's not easy. You know, yeah, is it is it wonderful to have $10 of gross revenue? Uh, sure, but if you're only making 50 cents on that one, versus making a dollar on $5 of gross revenue, what would you rather have? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not a race to like, ooh, I, I sold the most. Yeah, but you also like Chewy sold 5 billion, but they lost 259 million. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's insane.
0: It's puffery. <laughs> We're believing everything. <laughs> I mean, just if
1: I don't even know, I'm, I'm gonna pull out my calculator here. So if I do my $259 million that they lost, and okay. I divide by thirteen thousand retailers,
0: uh-huh.
1: independent retailers. It's almost twenty grand per independent retailer that they lost.
0: That sucks. Yeah. That sucks. Independent, not Petco, not PetSmart, indie. Just independence. Think about that, five, folks. Five Think about billion.
1: That. Five billion dollars divided by thirteen thousand is three hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. So. So they've got $385,000 of sales per independent, Mm -hmm. uh, and their losses would just be the same as if they turned around and gave each one of those 13,000 independents 20 grand.
0: (laughs) And our distributors are losing money now for for the uh, sins they committed (laughs) early on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, a... Don't shit where you eat. It's a vicious cycle that, you know... um, Another, another mentor of mine from Purina had a saying that I loved, which was like, Ooh, that's an ugly situation, Jim. But what you got to realize is sometimes you got to grab the bull by the horns and face the situation. Oh man.
0: So, okay, we're going to, I want you to, an ending thought. So what bull's horns should independence be grabbing at this moment?
1: Again, you have to realize.
0: Simplify it for me.
1: You you have to realize you 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 can't and you ought not try to compete on price. You have to understand the value that you provide, like the true value. Um, Again, if it's if it's transactional and the person is going to come in and whatever their dog just threw up all over the place and they're going to spend the extra thirty cents on Nature's Miracle in your store but not buy it again. Fine, whatever, we'll take the sale, but that's like neither here nor there.
0: Right. What
1: you wanna do is you want someone to sit there and go, hey, I'm not sure, but this is what's going on with my pet. Have you ever heard anything like that? Have you seen that? Oh, right. well, let me do this, let me do that. And, and again, it's, it's not about greed, but it's like, you might wanna try this, you might wanna look at this, you're a store, your customer service is gonna be the same thing. Try it, if, if they don't like the food, bring it back. We'll find another food for you. But it's, it's just like, it's, it's a reframing of your expectations. If you're expecting to sell a million dollars instead of, and, and, you know, a hundred thousand in profit or sell 5 million, you know, with 125,000 in profit, which one is better? And that's, I have that conversation all the time about margin. Mm-hmm. We're so stuck in margin percentages that we lose sight of the actual dollars. You know, if, if a brand, if you could sell a brand that's got a higher price point is only making you 35%, Mm -hmm. but that's actually like $8, that's a hell of a lot better than a brand that's making you 50%. That's only making you six bucks.
0: Yes, that certainly is because that brand you can also get on Chewy and you may not be making that six bucks in the long run,
1: but that's the, that's the part is like you, you just you have to reframe your expectations know your worth and know your customer. Right. You know, like we, (laughs) the last story I'll tell you about guardian is uh, we had, we had a very large retailer Mm -hmm. um, say to us, you know, I would love to do this. You've got a great product. It's wonderful. I could see it selling like crazy up here. Um, This is the price we want to pay for it. And we were like, no, like, what do you mean? And we're like, we, we can't lower the price to that level because one we're not taking the same sort of profit that everyone else is doing mm-hmm. we've tried to keep the price where we can and for you to sell it at that price basically you're trying to sell it for just a little bit more than kibble and at the end of the day we know our value we literally kick the crap out of kibble is our tagline mm-hmm. so we know that we have that value so why am i going to charge the same price as kibble to you like all that says to you and to the broader audience is we're just in a different form but we're the same as them and we're not i mean when you compare us to other foods in the freeze dried fresh frozen category we're actually less on a cost per day feeding basis and we did that intentionally if we took the same margins as everyone else and the same dollar profits as everyone else we'd be much higher but we said Pets first. It doesn't matter how good of a product I have, if no one buys it, if they can't afford it or they can't feed it. So it's it's the I'm, I'm trying to practice what I preach and say if you're an independent retailer, you gotta do that. Know your value, know your customer. You can take the ones who aren't that, but only in a transactional way. Mm-hmm. Other than that, like there are some customers that just aren't worth it.
0: It's true. That's so true. And
1: that's yeah, the bull by the horns, because everyone the bull wants by the to horn. sell to everyone.
0: Everyone, yeah. And independent retailers, the ones that are going to survive are the ones that will set themselves apart from others. That will be the educators instead of just existing and having the same old, same old. You got to, you have to educate your staff. You have to teach. And if it doesn't start from the owners down, then, I mean, you're constantly going to be in this catch-up state. You know, you're constantly trying to catch up and again, playing with margins.
1: Yeah. (laughs) One of the things from an education, I was just talking to our, one of our folks, um, they were asking about feeding guidelines and like, uh, the, the caloric requirements. So I, I gave them 10 websites of competitors. I said, here's all their caloric feeding guidelines and every single one, put you've got a 25 pound active dog. If they ask for breed, make sure it's the same breed across the whole thing. It's like, okay. And then yes. when it came out, every single result was different. Of course. And, and it's like, some of them were different because they tried to customize it to their product. Mm-hmm. Um, others were just taking wild things in or not to, to come up with the numbers. And it was just like, uh, when, when you ask for manufacturers for knowledge, for education, ask them for the broader part first and then the specifics on their product and how it delivers that. Because you know if, if all I do is tell you about my product, well, shit, I'm the manufacturer. I better think it's great. I better know how to tell you to buy that. But if I can tell you what the broader aspect of it is, if I can tell you what my limiting amino acid is versus the other ones, that's, that's different. Then you've got an educated consumer. You've got an educated retailer. And that's important. Uh, Ryan Yamka Ryan did a program for a while. He's on petfoodindustry.com, mm-hmm. does his debunking pet food myths and misconceptions. Yep. And he also did a segment that was dive deeper. And he provided a bunch of information. But if you've noticed on, on both his LinkedIn articles and mine and our blogs and stuff, we've started putting hyperlinks in and we've started mm-hmm. putting citations to the research because we want people, don't take our word for it. We would would expect you to think that we're biased, but take a look, drive down, dig deeper, look at the citations, look at the reports yourself, come up with your own questions, and we're more than happy to answer it. You don't ever have to ask us a question about our product. We'll answer it in general, because when you know that, you'll see that we're pets first, and that's what we're doing.
0: Well, Jim, I think a lot of people have stopped reading, and I think that's why this platform is important. (laughs) (laughs) kind of tooting my own horn here they
1: stopped listening it's been long
0: (laughs) no i think they're going to keep listening to this but i think uh people have stopped reading and um having the ability to listen and get information through listening is going to be very important so i'd like to have you on again where you can go off (laughs) no then we could do we could do afco and nrc in depth Um,
1: (laughs) that one's a big one
0: and uh really see where we can help the independent retailers take the next step and maybe the manufacturers can choose better salespeople or teach better than they have been i think that's the key if you don't educate your staff in any business you're going to wind up with subpar results.
1: Yeah. If you, if you think back to my comment of, you know, people respect what you inspect. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there was entire sales forces by manufacturers that dealt with pet specialty. Yep. If you look at it now, there might be like an account handler that deals with the top regionals and mm-hmm. then, you know, they've offsourced it to someone else. To, to go deal with the independents, or the person only deals with the distributor, and then hopes that they carry through. Those those are important things like that. Those send a message, and you know when you when you look at the education that they provide. I, I mean, there's there's clues every step of the way, every day that show you who's really in it for the industry and who's trying to do better, mm-hmm. and who's in it for the dollars.
0: Oh, and in the end, it always seems like the dollars win. But we need to bring about some change.
1: They, they do. I'll, I'll use that. I'll use that, uh, Mr. Rogers thing. Always look around. You'll always find helpers. They're always there. You just gotta look.
0: <laughs> We're gonna leave on that note. Thank you.
1: <laughs> no problem.